You are listening to Pastor Don Cherry, recorded at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church on Sunday, August 29, 2021. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, svbcfamily.com, or you can find us on all things social at svbcfamily. Tim, Suzette, thank you for bringing us before the throne. This morning we prepare to go into the Word of God. Take your Bibles, if you would, and go to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. That's in the Old Testament. If you have a Bible like mine, it's on page 808. If you don't, you're on your own. I want to give you a little bit of a backstory where we're at here in the book of Nehemiah. Now, the children of Israel had been in captivity, first of all with Babylon, and then now currently, as we're going to look in Nehemiah, they are in Persian captivity, okay? Or if you want to bring it into modern language today, they are in Iranian captivity, okay? That is ancient Persia. And so under the Persian rule, and all, God enabled them to go back to the land of Israel in successive waves. There were three different waves that uh, uh, took the people back there. Uh, first of all was uh, a man by the name of Zerubbabel who led a contingent to go back and to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed under Babylonian captivity. And then some years later, Ezra, a scribe, led a contingent to go back, and they reestablished the priesthood and the order of worship and all for the people who were already back in the land. Well, here, Nehemiah is taking a third wave back with the purpose of rebuilding the walls of the city, okay? So just want you to understand what is taking place at this time. And I think it's very important that we also look at the order that that was done. First of all, they went back and they built the temple, which represented their spiritual life, okay? So they went back and they rebuilt that, which they could uh, relate with God once again. They could do uh, the temple worship. They could establish, reestablish their religion and everything and their walk with Jehovah at that time. And then it was later on that the walls of the city were built, you see. And so I think there's an importance there in seeing how that was done that, you know, we need to take care of the heart first. And by that I mean you can put all the laws you want out there, but if man's heart is turned from God, if man's heart does not establish itself in the principles of God, those laws aren't going to work because we often know, you know, people are lawless, okay? That's why we have outlaws. That's why we have criminals. There are those, the laws are there, but they just don't care. And if you think about it, even when the children of Israel came under captivity, they had the law of God, didn't they? I mean, they had the law of God, they had the temple, they had all those things, but their hearts began turning away from God. And so the law mattered very little to them, okay? And what happened? The captivities came, first Babylon and then Persia, where we are looking at now. You know, I think of, uh, to bring that maybe into a little modern terms, if you were to go to Chicago, 
Los Angeles, New York, you would see that those cities have very stringent gun laws, but yet those cities continually top the nation in gun violence and all and such. So it really doesn't make any established laws all you want, but if the heart of man isn't right, if the heart of man is turned from God, then laws mean nothing because God in our relationship with him and all teaches us an orderly life, doesn't he? He teaches us principles which we can live by. The Word of God is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It's not just to read it. It's not just even memorize it, but it is to apply it on a daily basis in our lives so that we can have the kind of walk that God would have us to have with Him. So I want to go to chapter 4 there, and we're going to look at the first six verses of Nehemiah chapter 4. So keep in mind the backstory, okay? Nehemiah is leading this contingent to go back to Israel to go there into the land and rebuild the walls of the city. He says in verse 1, But so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant. And he mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete uh, complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heap of the rubbish? Stones that are burned. Now Tobiah, the Ammonite, was beside him, and he said, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O God, now Nehemiah begins praying, for we have despised, we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity. Do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall. And the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. Now listen here, for the people had a mind to work. This message this morning is going to be kind of like a a, a State of the Union message. You know, the president gives a State of the Union message once a year. Governors give a State of the State. Well, I'm going to give kind of a State of the Church, okay? And where we're at right now, you know, with Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, thanking God for the many things that he has done, but also, you know what, there's some things we need to address too. You know, and so we're going to kind of go through that, and I hope that you'll follow along with me. And also, we want to look, first of all, here at plans to move forward. If you notice... Uh, from our text, and all there is a purpose of Nehemiah and that contingent going back to the land of Israel. They were going back specifically to rebuild the wall. Well, we noticed that, hey, problems came, right? And you know, with any project, you always go through things. I don't know if I told you here, but about a month ago, I had to replace the um, storm door on my office out there. The the, the um, uh, it was one of those you know typical storm doors and everything. One of the brackets had broke, and so okay, it's time to replace it. So I went and got that thing, and I tell you, I laid that beggar out. I mean, I had it out. I marked the places where I was going to drill the holes and everything, and I got through. I drilled my holes. I got it set up. I got it put up. I got the plunger up there. That thing shut. I mean, you could hear it almost shut tight. It was wonderful. There was only one problem. I put it in backwards. (laughs) Anybody ever done that? Yeah, Daryl. Okay. Yep. I put that thing in backwards. 
So yesterday I had to take it off. I had to redrill the holes and I had to put it back on. Okay. You know, if I'd only thought, you know, that one step, you know, there just seems always one thing, doesn't it? You know, something always comes out. You're working on this, you're working on that. Something happens. You know, and again, that gets back to all things, right? Work together. There's a purpose behind it. So as Nehemiah is going back with the purpose to rebuild that wall, they come up against um, uh, uh, problems. They come up against those who are angry at what they're doing and would do everything they can, you know, to stop that. But we notice there in verse 6, you know, that they did build the wall, the entire wall. Why? Because the people had a mind to work. They were sold on the purpose. Okay, They were sold on the purpose. They knew there was a purpose. It was a good purpose. And they were willing to do whatever to get that accomplished. So you can go to ver- uh, uh, verse 7 there and everything. And you can see uh, about almost uh, halfway through it that there were gaps beginning to be closed. Okay, So remember as they're building this wall and everything, they're building this thing together. All right, And the gaps are starting to close as they continue in the building of the wall. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, some gaps that we had that I think God has narrowed that God has closed in some of these ways. And one of them was gaps in leadership. Okay, when we had, you know, one deacon and one trustee, now we have three deacons, we have three trustees, and we have people in position to oversee various different ministries. So God has raised some people up. God has provided in that way where the church now and everything has some good leadership and all in, 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 in its ranks and all to continue to lead. Uh, we knew of the facility repair. Okay, we had, you know, people might say, what works around here? We could probably say very little, you know, at one time. But there's been a lot that's happened. You know, uh, roofs don't leak anymore. Um, uh, air handlers and heat has been replaced and different things. And we've seen, you know, just some the facilities taken care of and everything. Hopefully this fall and everything, we'll see the basement taken care of. We'll see all that and everything. That will open up many more opportunities for us if we'll have that space downstairs and all in order to work. And our facilities will be in, you know, pretty good shape, you know, for that. You know, I mean, the, the, they are old. They need taken care of. But, you know, because of your giving, because of your giving, God has blessed. And all we've been able to get these things taken care of. Financial stability. You know, there's quite a few bills that were out there at one time and everything. Now, you know, we can say that the only thing outstanding is our mortgage. Okay, we have nothing else outstanding. You know, we're, we're paid. And again, we're able to do that because you have been so faithful to give. We have trusted God. God has blessed in that way. And we've seen, you know, God work in this way uh, to, to see a financial stability where we can actually, you know, uh, uh, move forward with very uh, various ministry opportunities. A unified spirit, I think, is one of the gaps that have been closed. You know, maybe things were a little tense here at one time, but now as God has brought us together, you know, and, and, and brought our hearts together, and we see that, you know, he, he does have, he does have a purpose for this body. He does have a purpose for this church. And let me tell you something, folks, there's a great spirit here. And I'm so appreciative of that. But like we were talking in our adult Sunday school class, which I want to encourage you, and everything, we have two adult Sunday school classes. I want to encourage you to come on out at nine o'clock and everything. Um, 
Eric has a class back in the office. We have our auditorium class here. And we're in particular uh, looking at unity, you know, and how important it is to be unified. Because as we talked this morning, we look at our world, we look at our culture today, there's not a whole lot of unity out there. Would you agree with me that we live in a divided country? And I think we see this division. We see all that's going on. And I think we, we have a divided political system. We have a, a, a divided educational system. It just seems everywhere there's division and confusion and, and one thing after another. And folks, if we're not careful and everything, that attitude will seep into the doors of the church. And we don't want to see that. And here's the neat thing about it. The Bible says that we are to strive for the unity of the brethren, and all meaning that each and every one of us have has a ministry within the body of Christ, that each and every one of us have this ministry of striving for the unity and maintaining the unity in the body of Christ. We don't ever want to be divisive. We don't want to be the one that causes division within the house of God. Because matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 6, the Bible says that God hates those who cause division among the brethren. Okay? That's what God says. I didn't say it. God said it. If you got a problem with that, take it up with him. But he hates division. He hates disunity. You know why? Because God is unified. God is unity, you see. And because of that, we can too uh, have that unity and we need to strive for that. Each one of us, each one, not just the pastors, not just the deacons, not just the Sunday school teachers, each and every one of us, we have this privilege, we have this responsibility, you see, to strive for the unity of the brethren. In community connection, we've seen some gaps closed there and able to do some outreach events and all where we can get out into the community and share uh, the Word of God out in the community. But also, I am so grateful that, you know, once again, we are investing in missions, you know, taking on some mission partners and investing in missions. And prayerfully, by the first of the year, we'll be able to do some even more. And everything, as, as God's people raise up, as God's people give, we can reach out in other ways and partner with those that are sharing the gospel in various different areas in our community than eventually in other areas is possibly around the world. You see, these are things that are important. These are some of the gaps that were there and everything that have indeed been closed and everything. And I'm very grateful for that. We need to thank God for that. We need to praise God for that, you see, and everything, because God has been blessing and everything. God has been adding and everything to our body, and we're thankful for that and all. And so I'm excited about what the fall is going to hold and everything. I'm looking forward to it uh, coming up. Uh, uh, man, I mean, we're in September already right? And everything, just a couple of days down the road, here it is, summer's gone, I guess you could say from an official standpoint, but um, that we can, can, you know, just look forward to what God is going to do. But here's the thing, and all to continue our forward progress, we must be convinced that Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church is a good work. Go back to chapter 2 with me in verse 18. Chapter 2 in the book of Nehemiah, and verse 18. Now, if you'll notice there, Nehemiah said, And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. 
It was a good work to build the walls. The walls needed to be rebuilt. It provided safety. It provided protection. It provided security and all for the people inside. Well, dear friend, we have to, we, if we are going to continue to move forward, if we are going to see more gaps closed, if we are going to see a, a church that is going to have an effective a ministry in the community, then we sitting here this morning have to believe that this is a good work. In other words, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And I can't help but think that God has left this thing here, and the thing not to take up 30 acres here between Route 11 and Route 81, but he has a purpose for this body in this community. And we have to be convinced of that, amen? You know, we have to be convinced of that, that God has firm. And of course, when we talk about who is the body, you and me. Okay? We are the body of Christ and members in particular. God has a purpose for us here. But I mentioned that there were some gaps that I think continue need to be narrowed and all if we are to uh, continue moving forward, if we are to see God close those gaps where the wall will be successfully built, okay? And, so, and those gaps are in three areas. One is in our prayer gathering. Now listen, I've been part of an independent Baptist church since I was like 14 years old, okay? I understand how they operate. I understand how things go. And I know that the Wednesday evening prayer service was always the least attended, right? It probably was here. It was in most churches too. Matter of fact, most of those things that we called prayer meetings were actually Bible studies and all, and then we had brother so-and-so pray for the list, and that was it. Okay, not being negative on that, but I'm talking about where God's people genuinely come together and join their hearts in prayer. You know, prayer for this body, prayer for our community, prayer for our country, how important that is. And yes, yes, you can. You can stay home and you can pray. I get that. But man, I tell you, when the people of God, when they come together in prayer and their hearts are joined together, you know what? That increases and embraces a unity within the body, you see. We grow together. We come together as the brethren and everything, and we learn of one another, you see. So that way, you know what? I can pray strategically for you. If I know what's going on in your life, I'm not talking about every single little thing, but you understand where I'm coming from, okay? Rather than just saying, hey, Lord, I pray that you bless Mike and Gloria. I can say, Lord, I ask that you be with Mike. Here's why. Because he married Gloria. No, no, just kidding. Right? <laughs> no. But I can pray for Gloria because I know what's going on there. I know what's close to her heart, you see. And I can pray in that way. That's why it's important, folks. We need to see that gap close. We need to see more of God's people coming out and joining us in that time. Then secondly, we need to strengthen our children's ministries. Strengthen our children's ministry. I'm talking about children's church, Awana, and the nursery. You know, these ministries, praise God for them. That, 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 that's the children's ministry that we have right now. And I know Jim and Lynn have been up in the children's church for about two years straight. You know, and praise God. And if you ask them, it's a joy and such. But you know what? I bet you they'd enjoy having a break now and then. Okay? I don't know about you growing up, but I needed a break from my kids every once in a while. Okay, amen, parents? Yeah, you got to get away every now and then, right? 
Okay? Well, this is what we're talking about. Then come in. We're not asking you to be up there every Sunday, but would you be willing to take a Sunday ever so often so that they could come down and be part of, uh, part of the church here? Awanas has been basically operating on a skeleton crew, you know, for the last three, four years or such. And grateful for Barry and Becky, you know, that have headed that. But there needs to be some others that would come in there. If anything, just to be a presence and a thing to help them. And all with that, this is an important children's ministry that we have. All children's ministry important. You know, I mean, you look when it comes to reaching people for Christ and everything, the older they get, the harder it is, right? That's why as a child, touch them with the Word of God and watch God work in that way. And it's important that we have people that are willing to step in. And all. we got to narrow that gap there in the nursery also. We can't wait till a baby shows up and say, hey, we need somebody for the nursery this morning, you know. No, we've got to have people that are willing to be there when people show up and lovingly, love, lovingly care. And, and listen, here's the thing that we need to understand, okay. And I, I don't mean to be facetious on this and all. But, you know, when we were raising our kids, we kind of looked at things a little different when it comes to a church nursery, you know. I mean, I don't know about you, but we didn't care if the head deacon was back there, you know. Hey, somebody's in the nursery. Here, take the kids. You know, we give them that way. Parents are a little different today, okay. Parents are a little different today. Everything. They're a little goofy when it comes to their kids. They need to see somebody that's there. They need to see a nursery that is functioning and all, going to care for them. And probably what would be a good thing is that when there is somebody back there, we've got two people back there to help. That just goes without saying, folks. And this is just, th- these are just areas that we're not asking people to do every Sunday. These are just areas that we're saying, hey, are you willing to step in and fill a gap and everything so we can see the walls coming together, okay? And everybody has a part in what's taking place. And then the third is in what I call our welcome ministries, which is the first line of perception for guests. Let's face it, okay? When people first walk into the door, you know, the ones that are at the door, that's the first line, right? That's the first line. I told you about a church that Deb and I attended here. I don't know. It was before we came here. And this is a, a wonderful church. I mean, they had three services Sunday morning. You know, parking lot was full and all that stuff. And all. And you go inside, they got an orchestra, they got a choir, got the whole nine yards that you think. But literally, we walked from our car through the front door into the church, sat down, went through the service, went out the door, went out to the car, and not a soul said anything. Not a soul said anything. Folks, let me tell you something. When we see people, faces that we don't recognize, make sure you get to them. You get to them and you just flood them with God's love. You know why? Because that will mean more to them than what happens up here. That will mean way more to them. You know why? Because you took time to come and recognize who they were. We live in such an impersonal world. That should not be spoken of here at the church. Should not be. And every one of us can do that. Oh, pastor, you don't understand. If I don't get to the restaurant, hey, listen, you'll eat, okay? Believe me, the food will be waiting for you. You understand where I'm coming from, right? Take that time. That means so much and everything when it comes to our greeters, our ushers, and even our security team. You know, it's a shame that we live in a day 
where we have to have security teams at churches. It really is. It's a shame. I mean, I can't, even, I can't even begin to imagine the thought process of somebody that would come into a church or a school and begin shooting it, shooting it up. I, 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 don't, I don't get that. But yet, that is the culture we live in today. And I'm grateful for those, but you know what? We need more. We need more folks and everything who would be part of a team like that because not only that safety for us, but that is also a perception to those who are coming here saying, you know what? They're watching out. They got an eye open. They're on the ball. See, anybody can get involved in that. And that's what we're asking. So how do I sum this up this morning? Well, we're still in Nehemiah. Go back to chapter 2, if you would. And I'm going to use two, uh, I'm going to use two references and everything to just bring it all together. And chapter 2 beginning in verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God which had been good unto me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. Now look, so they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. Man, folks, we, if anything, we need to be involved in building. We need to be involved in doing what it takes to bring those gaps together and everything so that we can communicate to this world out here, look, our God is for us. Our God hasn't forgotten us. Our God still wants us to move forward, you see. We need, we, we need to make that effort, and everybody can be involved in that. Now go over to chapter 6, if you would, and we're going to pick it up in verse 15. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. So they said, we're going to rise up and build. We're going to build this wall. Isn't that what they said back in chapter 2? That's what we need to do. That is our purpose. Now pick it up in verse 15. And so the wall was almost complete. Hello? Finished. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations round saw these things that they were very disheartened in their eyes. Now listen why. For they perceived that this work was done by the members of the church, by God, by our God, you see, by our God. That we don't sit back and say, look what we've done, because you know what, we've done nothing. Not that we sit back and say, oh, look what we've accomplished, let's pat ourselves on the back. We kept it going. No. What we have seen accomplished, and even that which we still need to accomplish, we need to understand that it is by the hand of our God. Amen. And what did the Bible say? If God be for us, thank you. Who can be against us?